0: Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. on discretion advised. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it is I, the great and malevolent, powerful wizard known as Half-Squat. Wait, no, wrong podcast. This is Game (laughs) Goblin. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I just woke up like a couple hours ago, so I'm kind of sleepy still, so this ought to be fun. Anyway, we're back to another Roleplay Game episode, and as your host, it is my incredulous duty to uh, bring in my two co-hosts, because the moniker's here in spirit this week. I've got to one side of me...
1: Kazukhan, the Lord Dragon.
0: And the other side is some dude... Dark, Blasphemous, hail to the dark side! When did we let him back on? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, we're going to be talking about common mistakes people make with character creation, specifically focusing on the storyline aspect of crap they do during background generation.
2: Or usually they don't, and then they flub some shit
0: later to make something
2: happen in their favor. I'm going to roll some dice and make some shit up for effect. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we can take a look. We're going to go, of course, with Pathfinder, because it's our, at least my preferred system. Yeah, we'll use that as the benchmark and branch from there. So we, we've got the PFSRD website up. I know you all can't see it, but uh, we went into the character creation bit, and it's broken down into... Well, technically, 12 steps. right, get some dice, get a character sheet. uh, Determinability scores.
0: They're missing the part on the uh, 12-step program here that you're going to have to have snacks and soda or something nearby.
1: Right, which is why it's like a 15-step thing. Yeah, I mean... Mm -hmm. Grab dice, grab snacks, grab food.
2: If you're going to be late, get your GM a foot-long turkey sub.
0: Exactly. (laughs) That's what it is uh, appropriate to bribe a GM. You know he's going to be pissed at you, so you better give him something so he can actually like, okay, cool. Or tacos. Or tacos.
2: (laughs) Uh, Number three is choose your character's race. I know that's an issue these days. Fourth is choose your class. From there, we move on to uh, allocate skills and ranks. Then we move on to choose feats, determine starting
0: hit points, get equipped always the longest step of any character creation step, uh, starting.
2: Oh yeah, the shopping trip the, shopping, the trip. shopping trip.
0: The shopping trip before you go out to adventure to get more crap.
2: Yep. Yeah. Number 9 is determine saving throws, initiative, and attack values. Number 10, finally, right before the end, we get to description and personality. Right. So for them, they allocate it as the 10th most uh, important step, right before other
1: spells. And, yeah. and
0: here's the fun part though that I really find uh, hilarious about this is they wait 10 steps into a 12 step program to go okay now your character's description and personality. Make this stuff up for you know your gameplay to have some fun. Whereas when I first started uh, especially with Vampire the Masquerade, the first thing you thought about was character concept. The first thing you thought of before any die rolls or anything is like what kind of character do you want to play? You sit around with the rest of the group and everybody's like, well, one guy's going to play, you know, a, a badass Bruja biker. We're going to have a uh, Ventrue power broker over there and a Malkavian prankster. What do you want to play? And you're like, shit, you know, I've, I've always wanted to try maybe, you know, like a, a Toreador who's kind of like a psychotic artist. And, you know, that's my description of personalities. So you start from there. And D&D, or Pathfinder, has just completely flipped that inverse.
2: Yeah, where it's all about your stats and how much numbers you can throw at other numbers.
1: This is... it's a silly thing, right? And I've done this for new players, players who've never sat down and played RPGs, right? I will run through a, a modified 20 questions. And the first thing that comes to mind is drop a name... Drop a title if you want, and how do they fight? And well, then you go in and elaborate. Like, does the, do they use magic? Do they use sword and board? Do they just run in like a crazy badass? What are they doing? How are they fighting? How are they surviving?
0: I see your point here, but I do have to play devil's advocate to a degree on this odd uh, conversation. Sure, because D and D, in its nature, is a dungeon crawling game. Yes, and for new players to uh, get a foothold into it. You can take step 10 out of that to a degree and say, hey, we're just doing a dungeon crawl. Get your characters ready, and we are playing a numbers game where you're exploring and you have to pay attention to your numbers more than the actual storyline stuff, because it's just a pure dungeon crawl.
2: But And that's the same thing with like one-shots. You want to do it dungeon crawls. You want to do it combat royales. You want to do simple things so people can just get a feel for the system. And then when you sit down, you're like, all right, we're going to do a campaign twice a a month for the next six months that's when you want to come up with your character's personality but if you're sitting down and you've been playing for a while and you're deciding to go and join this campaign that's been running for god knows how long and will run for god knows how long till everyone can't show up basically you that's when you want to start thinking about your character's personality you gotta know what you're playing and yes some systems like the storyteller system for Vampire, it's more important to come up with personality. Then you have D and D, where really the whole thing is a giant. No one has personality. No one has fun. And then you have Pathfinder, where it's there's a lot of stuff is pre-made and a lot of it's not fun, like social combat. I know you say we're probably doing it
0: wrong, but
1: either way, social combat was not an enlightening experience. It wasn't
0: real social combat. (laughs) Real social combat hasn't really been tried. Um, but anyways, you know there, there are certain
2: systems like uh, Laser Metal that is more RP than you would think. I mean, after all, I did have a running campaign with a pocket D and D system.
0: It really all depends on the group you're playing with, mm-hmm. what the players want, what the kind of game the GM wants to run. Uh, personally, my uh, when I run a game, I want people to have a name for their character and some idea of who their character is before they start rolling numbers because I want because it's kind of hard to explain in, in short term, but the games that people gravitate towards the most, especially with video games have uh, lore, they have history, they have the role-playing elements and these are the games that stick with you for a long time. It's something beyond a surface level. Yeah like in 10 years, who's gonna remember Overwatch?
2: Who remembers PUBG at
0: this point? Exactly. Games that are just pure combat tend to they're fun for a short term. Now you leave. Whereas a role-playing game is just a long sensual experience. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I had to go there. <laughs> it's quality over quantity, folks. Exactly. It, uh the the latest hotness. Like you guys remember when the uh Dragon Ball Z card game was the new hotness, and everyone was playing it. Now, it who even remembers the rules?
1: It existed. Yes. <laughs> I mean,
2: it, it's it's one of those things, you know. It's like a it's like a Magic: The Gathering set. It when it's new and it's hot, everyone wants it. Everyone's got it. And then a it, year down the road, right before rotation, people are like, "Oh, is any of that even playable?" Meanwhile, you've got old cards that are like, "Yeah." Everyone wants a Rhystic Study. Everyone wants a scroll Rack. Everyone wants a Dual Land. It's the difference in what you want to prepare for when it comes to your character. Because whether you're R-O-L-E playing or R-O-L-L playing, and your character's background is more the Thespian side. Absolutely. And the biggest thing we will say is please, please, be careful near all that edge, folks. I can feel all the orphans as we're going right now. Yep, because we're about to get there. We're about to burn the orphanage. The number one most hated thing. Like, I hate this more than people who try to clone Drits.
0: Okay, so mistake number one most players make is you're going to go gaming on Saturday night. You've rolled up an entire character. You're going to sit on that fucking couch and play that character, but you don't need the whole couch. You only need the edge. <laughs> edge is not a
1: character trait. It's an it's asshole. A, it's not a personality. It's an asshole. Um, I, I mean, that's everyone mean, ha- everyone might have one, but nobody fucking cares. Just in case you don't know We're talking
2: about the I'm the orphan that no one cared about, that grew up on the streets, I'm a loner, there's not enough dark corners in this tavern for me to sit and try and tell my background life story, which I'm making up as I go. BAM BAM!
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. actually about to reference that here on my tirade
2: <laughs> well, <you> know, <laughs> he's got a little different uh, let's uh, take he's the got a twist on it chain. Uh,
0: he, he's got, well no, oh, you're going he, you're, you're yeah. on a roll so I'm going to so, like, just
2: do it so, so here's the problem with a lot of people like yeah that's the general go to when you're like I don't want to put effort into my background some people they do go the extra mile and go alright well the whole point here is I remember the person who killed my parents had a purple fedora and smelled of lavender. So I'm going to try and hunt down and kill a person like that. But most people are like, oh, I don't know. I was too young. I don't care. I was raised to be a thief, so I'm a rogue. Oh,
0: My okay. character was sniffed by the President of the United States, and that turned her evil. <laughs> uh, or, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, inside voice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm reminded of Inigo Montoya from The Princess Bride. My father was slain by a man with six fingers on his right hand. You have not seen him, have you?
2: That's no. when someone does it right. When they actually it is. have, it, it sets up a goal. But a lot up. of people, they just take the, oh well, I'm an orphan, so I don't have anyone I have to care about, because they felt like the call to adventure was, well, I don't want to have any responsibilities or anything that could tie me down, so I'm a do nothing.
0: <laughs> All right, so I understand why edge lords are popular as fuck. I mean, yes, we have Batman whose parents were murdered in an alleyway and now he is the Dark Knight and he has to punch the world
2: until his parents are given back because he doesn't understand anything they're
0: just sleeping (laughs) no Batman you killed him no no he's napping Uh, or you have Spawn another uh, I don't want to say terrific character but he is definitely a character who has the edge thing going who has literally been to hell and back and who was willing to do bad things to get shit done You have the Punisher, who has plenty of room for edginess. Mm -hmm. Who kicks ass, takes names, chews bubblegum, and then kicks more ass. There's plenty of edgelords out there. Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd. Straight up edgelord. Thing is, though, when you're in a role-playing game versus a comic book or a movie, the movie tells you these characters' backgrounds. You get to learn about what's going on. And the number one mistake I see with edgelords, especially, is when they sit down at the table...
1: Exposition time!
0: Well, either they do exposition time, which just bugs the shit out of everybody else, or they go, well, if you really want to know my dark history, you're going to ask. No, I'm not going to ask, because I spent all this time to create my character, and there's three other people here who are also playing. Don't make yourself the center of fucking attention. Likewise, the number one thing I see, other than exposition, is they just... Basically, shut all the doors. They're like, "I'm too dark for you to understand." And then okay, well then I'm not gonna try. Then I'm not gonna try. And then after the game is over, the person's like, "I don't understand why anybody's not asking about my character's horrible background." Because no one cares. Well, number one, nobody cares. But number two, you shut all the doors. Every time I try to engage your character, you shut the door. Of course, I'm not going to ask about your character's tragic backstory if you're going to keep shutting the door in their face. But don't tell somebody who cares. Well, I've already shown you that I give a shit, and you close the door. Fuck off.
1: And it's... Oh, edgelords. Oh, God, edgelords. Oh, I can't do anything, so I'm just going to shoot a single arrow at the enemy. Oh, God. But, Or or you get the edgelords that want to show off. Oh, yeah. And and we have a story related to this. Edgy snowflakes. Edgy snowflakes?
0: No, no. We oh, yeah, them, there's a mirror out there, way
1: in the distance.
0: We call I'm going to shoot it. We, we call those shurukens. <sighs> Edgy snowflakes. We're only fight ninjas. <laughs> no, ninjas have redeeming qualities. That's fair. Unless they're in large numbers. And we're bright orange. No, no, ninjas, the larger number of ninjas you have to fight, the weaker they are individually... Now, if you see one ninja standing on a hill this is the law of ninjas dude Mm -hmm. you see one ninja on a hill you are screwed turn around run Run right but if you see like a hundred ninjas just drop in from nowhere to take you on you're fine you'd be wearing a red shirt white helmet Blaster too big for At you. At worst, you're going to stub a toe during the combat. <laughs> um,
2: Just remember your choreography. You'll be fine. They'll fix it in post. Exactly.
0: <laughs> so, uh, oh, lords are... of The common mistakes people make with their backgrounds and... Is thinking someone cares. Not only thinking somebody cares, is they sprinkle on the catalyst aspect. I'm going to call it the catalyst because this is what turns a normal person or a normal orphan in their case, into an edgelord is they just thicken the soup so much. Like when you look at Batman, it was just his parents who were killed. You look at the Punisher, uh, depending on which setting, but it was predominantly just his family that was killed. And he, when he did try to take the law, uh, you know, get help with the law that he defended... They turned his back on him. So it wasn't just the killing of his family. It was the betrayal of everything he had fought for up until that point. So he became the justice system. You look at Spawn. Yes, again, he went to hell for doing bad shit. He was tricked into it. And, you know, his family was put in jeopardy. It just happens with a lot of them. You know, see a, a trend. Of them, yeah, you see a trend. There's some sort of dark pattern. Well, in comics, it's usually the family or some lady in a fridge. But there's some catalyst. That turns the normal person, or and the role players, we uh, already gone over that. It turns them into the bad person, but then you get the Edge who's like, I grew up in an orphanage and I had to feed the dogs with my raw stumps of bloodied hands after being punished and forced to wash my face with a cheese grater, and it just goes on and on. Like their life could not be any more terrible. And it's like, look, you do not need to be an adventurer. You do not need a sword. What you need is a fucking padded room and a therapist. Or several, depending (laughs) depending on how
1: far you're taking it.
0: Like, some of the characters I've seen Edgelords make are just psychologists' wet dreams for case studies. Yeah. There's just so much trauma. It's like you can't even be a functional human being after that much trauma. If we take in the real life of, you know, people like children who are locked in basements and tortured. And, you know, years later we get documentaries about what has happened to them. and, And, like, the medical transition of trying to bring them back into the fold of civility... They're screwed for life. And then you get this edgelord who comes up and it's just like... Tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. It's like... No, you cannot be a functional human being at this point. I'm sorry. Or any other species. Or any other... You You should be sitting in a dark alleyway at best... Drinking alcohol to forget the pain. Your character, or we can always old yeller your character. <laughs> or we can old yeller your character. Yeah, so... The edgelord, in my opinion... Either like exposition machine or shuts down is mistake number one. They want you to know everything about their character coming out of the gate, or they're just so dark and mysterious they the other players will never know. And I, it's and
1: ridiculous.
0: So much tragedy heaped on edge lords. I, I don't mind an edge lord as long as it's like you know my character used to be twins, uh, but my twin sister was killed or and the, person, by the dark lord, or kidnapped by the dark lord and. My parents, for some strange reason, didn't seem to really care, and I, I felt betrayed because this is my twin, my the other half of my soul, and now I feel lost. So I'm adventuring to find myself again.
1: See, that actually makes a, a fair degree of sense. It's one singular point, followed by a response, and then understanding that this is not the place for me. Those three things are all are, are common in a good, well done edgelord story and it's not thickened with so much gravy that it just sticks to the spoon and you can't actually get it off
0: when you go to pour gravy on the turkey and the gravy boat pours before the gravy the the edge is too thick (laughs) yeah it's
2: one of those things it's like when you think oh well you know cinnamon in my oatmeal is delicious but my mom only ever puts a pinch I'm gonna put a tablespoon of it then you realize oh this is horrible I
1: can't eat this Mistakes were up. made. Mistakes so, were made.
0: For anybody out there who's dealing with an edge lord or wants to play an edgy character, I'm just going to say in my my advice here as a GM, moderation. So,
1: like like drinking or drugs.
0: Like drinking drugs or even eating. You know, if you're like like he just said with cinnamon, you know, in your oatmeal, a little bit spices it up. A dash of sugar, that might help sweeten it up a little bit. But if you decide, hey, let's just put a cup of fucking cinnamon on top of my goddamn oatmeal, it's gonna be horrible. The same thing goes with your edgelord. If you just slather so much darkness on your edgelord that is unpalatable to other people, you might not want to try to serve that character up again. Just saying. Right? And, like,
1: this this kind of actually leads into another type that I notice a lot of players, they get A little bit sideways Uh the name typically has a meaning but everything about a character no matter who what or what setting has a meaning and the best characters are the ones who have that meaning sprinkled in at different layers we're not talking like just keeping it on top we're talking like stirring it in throwing some more in stirring that in and keep going that way Ah, uh,
0: you're, you're losing me boss, elaborate here.
1: Okay, so I came up with a concept for this Ruby RPG, right, this game, you know, specifically the character. This is, a, this is a dated character. He was a shield bearer. His whole shtick was walking around with two shields, and he would yo-yo them. And that was his, like, not character America style, but, you know, Killwazuldik style if that makes sense. Okay. So he was a protector. That was his whole thing, right? And I figured, you know, Gentle Giant and... Fuck, Chainsaw Shield sounds kind of fun. It's basic enough and I can figure out some neat way to make that happy.
0: That's just really weird, because usually when I get my character a name, it's either got a joke to it or it just sounds cool.
1: Well, I was getting to that. His name was Titus Moral. Titanium and Emerald. He was named after his, after the wedding band his father forged his mother. That was that was his that was the purpose behind
0: his name. Oh, so um, I see Blasmus. all sitting over here bored for a moment. I, I just no, need... I
2: was trying. I was trying to let him get his story across uh, so I can move on to mine later. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Cause <laughs> I, I was I, just wondering if you wanted to stay on Edgelords lords or we're going to move over to naming stuff. Well, I mean, edge lords definitely are a problem, but they're not the only problem because also. It's kind of an edge lordy edge lordy thing. That's hard to say. So marquee? It, no, not a marquee because they don't deserve a title. <laughs> um, they're not as big a cocksucker. Um, but people, when it comes to naming, um, who go say you're playing an elf and your your elf has this big elaborate name, and then you come to realize this person went on to one of those. Elf language translators and name themselves Lucifer Morningstar.
1: A real fucking
2: shock. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, people, like, I can get, like, oh, I am Evil Foucaire over here. <laughs> that was at least funny.
0: That, that was, was a joke. D- that was, that a was joke. clever.
1: Evil Foucaire.
0: Evil Foucaire. Yes, that was a joke because I wrote it down and I hand over the character sheet to the GM and he's like, your character's name is Evil Fucker? I'm like, tisk He is civilized as Evel Foucaire. <laughs> which actually was a joke played off of the Corsican, or yeah, Corsican Brothers, the Gigi Chong movie. Count uh, the Money. Yeah, because it was a joke based off of Count de Monet. <laughs> Count the Money. Yes. Which,
2: which is, you know, those at least are funny, but when people are like, oh, I'm Lucifer Morningstar. Oh, my name translates to pain and sorrow. Shit okay. like that bugs me. Like, it, it's it's one of those things... We're naming your character Casimba. That—that's your name tag. You do not don't have. I'm the monk. You have. This is my character's name. And yeah, sometimes you're playing a friend. You just end up calling a friend by their name. But still, it's like I made—I made Edmond Morel. All right, that was my last character. He was the pirate. He had the, the the gun. It was cool. But I took a name that made sense. You could easily say it. It had an abbreviated form: Edmund or Ed. And then other characters, you know, it's like Floyd. Just Floyd. That's it. He had no last name. The whole thing was that was because he was trying to forge his own path, didn't want to carry someone else's legacy.
1: Which, you know, if you do it right, that's a fair way Mm -hmm. to create a backstory. It's like,
0: oh my god. Mm -hmm. It just hit me though. Like that character, Floyd, got a boat. I right. remember he was the uh and his boat crashes and then he has to swim that would be Floyd ride in the water well <laughs> remember he he did have a little uh
2: a really bad uh, even, yeah <laughs> <laughs> he had a little evil hand thing but it was pink so pink floyd yeah <laughs> <laughs> but um but anyways doing certain things like that like you you got to put some thought like looking at say you're playing a dwarf well, dwarves have their clan name depending on the setting the clan name their family name and the name they were given in birth
1: and sometimes that is just a great great grand relation mm-hmm. you know because some dwarf clans like to like to reuse their names
2: yeah and so you know you, you can look at it like i'm playing say a gnome they usually have fanciful names But they're not overly long or
0: elaborate. Ah! (laughs) They can be. They can. It was the joke I was playing because I was playing a gnome one time. And, of course, the character was as small as gnomes can get. So, me being me, I chose the biggest name I possibly could.
1: Of course. Morty
0: (laughs) Fruermeister. Yeah, and so you
2: have things like that. But at least stuff like that can be clever. But when you're like, oh, I'm... uh... Well, the Lucifer Morningstar is one that's sticking in my head, but they're... well, a lot
0: of people do the, the Dark Angel Lucifer combo mm-hmm. thing, but sadly, as a theologian with some you know stupid papers to prove it, uh, nobody plays the character right. Right. Yeah, no,
2: because those who actually do understand don't play D and D. Anyways. But it, but it's the thing. It's like, ouch. Okay, yeah, I don't play yeah. d and anymore. <laughs> Still, ouch. <laughs> um, but but that's the thing is, you really gotta think it. Your name, the name of your character, is a verbal handshake. Exactly. Right? Like in certain groups, yeah, you can be super elaborate. You can do the whole thing in German. But being, oh, I'm Einarck Meinfeld. It's like, yeah, that, that that's a name that you can say. We'll just call you Ein's. But, you know, you got to think about these things and really being an edgelord in that way or being excessively anal about something. Like, every time someone says your character's name wrong, you get pissy. It's a bit of a bad sign.
0: Yeah, that's a bit of a bad sign. I think the worst, though, that I have in that one is actually one of the top bad signs uh, as far as character mistakes during character background creation. One of the other ones, though, is when your GM uh, comes up to you and says, okay, the game I'm running is a Conan-esque world. You know, magic is rare, things are dark, they're nitty, they're gritty. You know, think like Conan the Barbarian, Conan, uh, fucking Schwarzenegger era. Not Momoa era, where things are more lighthearted and family-friendly. And sometimes questionable. Sometimes. But in... More the Pulp era. More the Pulp era, you know, where nail into the tree of woe. <laughs> holy shit, that's a harsh thing to do there, Thulsa Doom. You know, think more of that era. So your GM lays that out for you, or he lays out that it's going to be a grand mass battle uh, scenario for the campaign where you're going to be traveling from kingdom to kingdom. Mercenaries and for Hire. Mercenaries for Hire kind of campaign. You know, if he says it's going to be dark or serious or close to the chest as real life gets, you know, you're going to meet every Dave and Michael and Jennifer, Jennifer whatever out there. You know, you're just going to meet people with normal names, and then, you know, the person hands you a character sheet, and their name is, like, Skippy Buckwheat.
1: Okay, you better have a fucking reason for that, otherwise... Why, yeah,
0: why is your name Skippy Buckwheat? Come on, man, like...
1: Well, well, it was my nickname back on the farm, and it just kind of stuck, and I forgot what I was really named.
0: Okay, that's a reason. You gave a reason. My character's low IQ, as you can tell by the character sheet. He's only got an IQ of 60. That's what he was called back on the farm, and it just stuck. Okay, I can reason with that. You're playing an idiot. And that makes
1: sense. You're or... not an
0: idiot. You're just playing one. But if somebody walks up there like, I thought the name was funny. And I thought I was running a serious campaign. Or even worse, when
2: you get into stuff and they're like, uh... I'm just gonna put my real name down as a character. People with that lack total imagination. I mean, the random name generation stuff can be very handy. You know, you can set the theme, you can set the race of the character, the... The background, you'd be like, oh, this will work out. But man, sometimes that stuff just really hampers you. Oh, yeah. So, well,
0: the, the random ones do hamper you, and um, despite my love-hate relationship with Palladium Books, Symbietta actually did write a very good uh, helper guide in the Rift's core books to naming your characters, and it's also been republished in the Rift from, uh, I dare say, magazine, even though they're more like books.
1: Publication. Light novels. <laughs> Light novels.
0: The, the Rifter novellas,
1: uh, <laughs> if you want to call them that.
0: Uh, as well as the, the Risk core books, the Palladium books, and the Conversion books. All have some form of it or whatnot. And I can't remember exactly which book it's in, but he does have a fairly large resource in there for, like, hey, you're creating a character and you want them to have a strong feel to it. Here's, you know, the kind of vowels you should be using, you know, to kind of stop. So if you're playing a dwarf, you know, you're gonna want a, a good hard-sounding name. So say the word rock, you know, and, and roll it around in your head. Rock, that's a, it's a, that's a solid word for a solid object, but you know, add like a letter here, or take a letter away, you know. Move it around, shuffle it until you come up with a sound that sounds like something you'd like to have your character have it is dwarven hard-sounding name. That's based from the word rock itself. Mm -hmm. So they've got a really good guide as to how to create names for yourself. Uh, That's actually how he came up with Emperor Prozac's name. Even though it sounds wildly like Prozac, that medication was not yet available at the time during
1: uh, publication.
0: Or at least it wasn't in mass production. But yeah, he did the same method to name a bunch of his NPCs that he later wrote and published, is he would just sit there, write a bunch of stuff down on a paper and see what just sounded best, and screw around with adding and taking away letters and just moving stuff around until he got what he wanted. That's exactly how
2: Hagendas came to be. Exactly! The guy was just sitting there saying words, they said for like two days, and then he came up with Hagendas and felt it didn't quite look right when he wrote it down, so he put some umlauts over the U. <laughs> yep. But... But that's a big thing when it comes to background is your name. Because you can have a background with a name. Say you don't have a last name. Oh, well, you know, I just didn't take my family's name because I want to create my own legacy. Good Solo. way to go.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's. And, you know, the whole thing about it is provide a reason. If you're going to have a weird name or any little feature, like a scar or anything, a prominent scar a prominent scar yes yes you know like we're not talking back of the knuckles although those scars are kind of nasty at times
0: well that'd be a good introduction you know when you bring in your fist fighting monk and be like yeah this has you know it's obvious he's been punching buckets of sand for a while okay yeah he's got scars from punching buckets of sand that he's gonna be our brute stick right got it
1: and everything has a reason if you can bring a reason to the table, it becomes a serious, dick fingered, qualified character. Like it's got thought put into it.
0: But uh, not always, though. I'm mean, like, especially if they got a scar across the bridge of their nose, and it was done by their sensei.
1: Well, see, uh, not always. And <laughs> well, the whole idea is that you give thought to the depth of why.
2: Now, here's the thing, though: is we got to remember the rule of "show me, don't tell me." Yes. So if, if your guy is, say, you're playing a rogue and you're a knife aficionado and that was your background and you're just the best dagger thrower ever, you can just be like, Oh yeah, my guy just flips a dagger in the air when he's thinking. Yeah, you know, he just does it, one, of just little, one of those one of those idle
1: animations.
2: Yeah, you know, it, it's one of those things of show don't tell and that that's a good way to try and do this be like, Oh well you know, he uh, he fiddles a coin between his fingers to show how dexterous he is.
1: Right. And it's, you're right, it is show, don't tell. Um, when I make a character, most of the time I make them with one to two major highlight features that are like, oh yeah, this is your brief description. Like, I'm playing, you're going to hate me, you're going to groan, but I'm playing a knife-ear sorcerer. And he's got silver hair, which is according, which is why I have the draconic consular uh, racial alternate. is because... That was deemed a valuable thing in his lineage. He's just the first to be born in like four generations, so he got the training,
0: and hopefully the last. Fucking knife ears.
1: See, I knew it. I knew it.
2: It wasn't a groan. It was a complaint. But yeah, you know. Never trust an elf. That too. (laughs) Round elves, watch yourselves. Right. But but still, it's a thing of trying to, to give some background on why, or, or, or even just flubbing a line of why is a lot better than, oh, I have the darkest story, but I'm going to keep everyone out. But there's more than that. There's also the super snowflake who will be in your face trying to tell you everything. You know, oh, exposition. pixie or la and I just love everything and my hair is like a galaxy always changing colors and I'm going to be all over you guys all
0: over the time.
1: No, stay the fuck that away from That
0: sounds me. like somebody else we know.
2: Yep, yep, they do the same thing. Same character all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, some people want to be noticed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely very
2: notice-me senpai. But it, it's one of those things of when you get into character creation, you got to walk the line between don't be an edge lord, but
0: don't be a fucking neon blinker. Yeah. Also, one of the other mistakes that I've seen people make during character creation, and I'm guilty of this just as much as a lot of other players. We probably all are. We probably all are. When you're writing out your character background, and I know it's fun to do. Oh, it's hella fun to do. especially paragraphs. When the, the the creative juices just start squirting all over the place, and then you hand your character background to your DM, and they look at it and they're like, "Why did you write a three hundred and four page novel?" Okay, nope. maybe that's a bit um, hyperbolous, but okay. But so I've had people hand me like eight pages when I asked three to five paragraphs. Yeah, three to five. Give five me paragraphs. the
2: cliff notes version,
0: folks. Yeah, give me the bullet points of your background. You know, I've done it. I have come in, I'm like, I put it in bullet points, but it's 18 pages or some crazy ass. But it's easier to read than trying
2: to get through this goddamn novella. Yeah. But so you know, that's why I I've ended up just doing a bullet point format that I keep in my GM folder. I'm like, alright, I need to know, do you have any living relations? Give me a short list of them, up to, like, aunts and uncles. Uh, Do you have, where are you from? What kind of region is it? Um, What uh, what did you do growing up? Uh, When did you decide to leave? How did you become the character class you are? These are the five base questions that I can base a story arc for someone on.
1: Yeah, it's, you know. it's it's the five H's, or five W's.
0: Yeah, there, there's the, I did my character background too much, or, you know, you write two, three sentences, call it good. Like, he hee, my character's crazy. Done. You know, have my some character idea. thinks he's a little girl. My car- uh, yeah, just, that trope. Just, yeah, like I'm saying, it doesn't have to be more than a full page, and it probably should not be more than a full page. But yeah, four paragraphs, five paragraphs, perfect. Fine, it gives you the baseline of what you need to know. And the character's background is not just as much for the GM to look through and take notes to create stuff for your character to include in the game. It's also notes for you to remind yourself of keeping consistency with your character.
1: Where they came from is a big one. Like Their past has a big impact on how they proceed into the future. And that's going to be true of every character. It's
0: true, but if you have to read... Because uh, these are your, basically a background. There's notes for your player to remind themselves of their characters. Do keep that consistency because, you know, people change over time and whatnot. But there might be something in that background that is like hard-baked, hard-coded in their brain will never fucking change. Like, like do...
2: someone's character being married or someone being from a world that's run by vampires
0: and liches it might be like a life lesson like the first time they told the truth when they got in trouble because that like all of us as children are told you know if you tell the truth it won't be as bad well maybe you know your character did tell the truth and none of the adults believed them anyway and this would be like a defining moment for somebody to be like well obviously the truth doesn't matter so later on down the line they might come into a situation where it's a truth or lie situation well, they've already got this life lesson in their background as to how they're going to act about it.
1: They're going to follow the lie. Yeah. And it makes tell sense. Me
2: lies, tell me sweet, sweet
0: lies. I like <laughs> your singing. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, though that's a mistake. Is all obviously in the background. Is when you write out your background, either just going fucking full tilt ham or doing nothing. Couple, doing nothing. Yeah, and that, that's a hard line to
2: walk, but I mean, one of the easiest things is, especially as a GM, my biggest advice I can give you is come up with the bullet points of what you want to know, or, you know, print it out on a couple sheets of paper and be like, fill this out, nothing more, nothing less. Just hand it to your players.
1: Yeah, and it that'll work for some, and for others, you know, R-O-L-E players, you know, you might be able to get away with having a page or two backdrop, Right. If if a particular event has to have a a greater detail for people to understand it, that makes sense. That's, you know, a two-paragraph event, and that's possible. There are defining moments like that. that Cards on
2: the table, though. We're all GMs here. How many times have you actually gone through someone's five-page character background? I have never had. Word to word. Nope.
0: Nope. I don't get past the first page. Never have.
2: Yeah, nope. I look at it like a resume.
0: Give me the cover sheet. Cliff Notes version, that's it. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm just like, I, I basically look for the, the stuff that's hit with a highlighter and just forget the rest. Uh, and typically, you know, when I'm a player and I write a background that big, I forget the rest too, so. <laughs> yeah, and,
2: and that's the thing. Keep it simple. I like, guess it's nice to have a good long background. Maybe keep that for yourself and then provide it to your GM as needed. Then you can continue writing it and then God knows at the end of this four-year campaign you can publish a short story. Who knows? But you know, when it comes to actual gaming, even if it's an R O L E thespian game, maybe just keep it to the cliff nets. You don't need to memorize the entire script, just your parts.
1: And like
0: yeah, go go I'll ahead. I'll give
1: you I'll give you a little bit of a counterpoint to this. You did this to us once during the vampire game. Oh
0: god, what did I do wrong?
1: You gave us all a binding story
0: for where these
1: start where these characters started.
0: Yes, I did. And I it was... I failed
1: mine horribly. You did. But that's neither here nor there, and that's not the subject of today. But you gave us all, like, a two-and-a-half, three-page little pamphlet. You also included character sheets and all the other stuff that we'll need. Yes.
0: Yeah, the character handout. So, you like, your character
1: handout was fairly comprehensive, but it was still a page-and-a-half to three pages of story that was for the character to start from.
0: Yeah, I wanted to give you guys a springboard to start from, and specifically one of the things I did do in there and didn't mention. So just in my own defense here, okay. Uh, one of the things I did include in that two and a half to three page uh, backstory stuff to springboard your characters into the setting. So number one, you guys got that uh, giant ass background because none of you were have ever played Vampire the Masquerade before that. Right. So this was partly character background and world introduction in one because I could have explained character generation in one hand, and I could have explained world lore in the other hand, but instead I put both of those together to get introduce you with that background. Number two, as you recall and I said it, stated it when I handed those out years ago, there were holes in the background for you to fill in your own stuff.
2: And again, another point to to help him on this, it's the thing of knowing your game. So that is a thespian game as much as people love to be brute powerhouses and just fight 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 that game is all about thespianism well yeah it's about playing a role playing a character which is why it's the storyteller
0: system yeah Yeah.
2: so that is where it would be important to have all that and this wasn't just us creating bumfuck Timmy jim uh this was us trying to fit into certain archetypes to play in this game
0: yeah, well, you guys were not familiar with the clans. You were not familiar with the lore. You were not familiar with the disciplines, the powers, the hierarchy, the Camarilla, or Sabbat. He basically gave us a getting started booklet. Basically, yeah. It was a, it was a short getting started booklet.
1: Yeah, and it was it was well done. It was. Especially because I've seen a lot of your writing, and it's good stuff.
0: See, now he, he does not about-face. First he attacks me, now he's like, your writing is good. Leave me alone, please. <laughs> I never said it wasn't a good thing. I
1: quite enjoyed having that much background to play with. I remember that uh, my dude was an actor, and he had a kid who I didn't know as a player, as a character. The kid got nabbed by changelings. Or actually, the wife did. The wife did. The wife did. The wife did. And then, like, it caused the break of their marriage, because this once creative spark of light is now no longer. And that was a big thing. I loved that. I like having that extra backdrop, because I like to play with, well, there's a reason for this. It's also why it led to some of his dumber decisions, like breaking the masquerade. Repeatedly. Repeatedly. (laughs) Because he was uh, distraught over things that happen from the background coming in. Well, Vampire's
0: supposed to be an emotional horror game, so...
1: Yeah, and it was. And then you have my guy
2: who just started the Vietnam flashback music.
0: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That does not simply take on the con. I'm just gonna go burn his house down. (laughs) The con was two steps ahead of you the whole time.
2: (laughs) Nah, I had planned, but... It, to be honest, it was also my first real for foray into role playing, and you know I did those typical FNG things where you make bad choices. Exactly. And that the, just and then you learn from them. It. Yeah, and and with that, I mean, I think the number one thing was having so many characters die in the uh, Kingmaker that really got me better at
0: the whole process. Yeah. Kingmaker was not very forgiving.
2: No, not at no. all. you even uh, less
0: forgiving than I am. Uh, Surprisingly, Surprisingly. Yeah, because I have a penchant for, like, I think my worst streak ever was one character a week would die. Like, legitimately, everybody would sit down at the table. And I didn't even try to go after anybody or anything. It was just let the dice fall where they may.
1: And he rolled them out in the open, if I recall.
0: And I do roll my dice out in the open, especially when it matters. Mm -hmm. Especially when it matters. like It's like, you have two hit points left this next, next attack, if it hits you and I roll minimum damage, there's no way I can not kill your character. You will die if this attack hits.
1: So let's watch where it falls. So
0: I'm just going to drop it on... Open to the table. Calculate it up. This and, is the value. And to tell you the value. Be like, look, I, I rolled my dice in the open. You know I'm not fudging. Well,
2: also, with the way we were playing, it wasn't so much we're all sitting around a table with a, a planned format. It was more... Open, sitting around the smoking circle.
0: Well, yeah. Uh, Vampire the Masquerade, when played correctly, or well, incorrectly, if you will, it, every group has different styles, So saying correctly or incorrectly is kind of a misnomer. Very uh, big. Very big. Uh, Vampire is a game that you don't really play around the battle map. It's a game of imagination where you sit in a lowly lit room with just enough light to see your character sheet, or around a dinner table. But there's no battle maps, no miniatures. There's no Targeting indicators, no sticks to gauge distance. Nothing. Whereas Dungeons and Dragons is the exact opposite. You have to have a battle map for the battles. Everything is on grid. You have measurements for everything from your stinky cheese ball spell to tragic missile. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, The other thing that I've seen as a mistake. And we've been on names for quite a while, so I'm, I'm going to try to switch gears oh,
1: yeah. here. Go for it. Uh, the
0: other thing I've seen is a mistake uh, on the player side. I've done this, I've seen players do it. Usually I try to coach players. When you're writing down the stuff on your character sheet, and of course, the vampire is really great. Again, Rift's kind of okay. I mean, they do have a notes section. Vampire or uh, Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder, not so great on this. It really depends though. on the character sheet. What I'm going to do is writing down the specifics of your character skin color eye color hair color does you what kind of shampoo do you use are you overweight are you Uh, underweight do you trim your nails or do you leave them long you know all the little details about your character to help you flush them out uh vampire has a great little especially on second edition they've got a little block actually i shouldn't say a little block it's like half a page really of just details your nationality so you could play a russian who lives in american who's a bruha and you write all this stuff down so you have all those as notes you know your eye color is an icy blue your hair is a dark uh, raven black you know that you like to wear specific clothing styles or whatever I mean, like there's a shit ton of details and information you can put in there and you have some of this you know in DD where it's like height weight uh, hair color eyes Okay, it gives you the basics. Yeah. It's enough to
1: do, like, a quick spark notes. It's,
0: it's like sparks the, or a snapshot, really. Yeah. Yeah,
1: it,
2: it's the super, super top layer stuff. But besides that, you you can change up your character sheet, especially your Pathfinder, which is why I love it, yeah. because they're not like, oh, well, you have to use our official, because even their official uh, player folio has, like, three whole pages just to your body description. Your background stuff, general notes. But those are the bigger elaborate. Things. My
0: character is a six and a half foot tall barbarian male from the depths of the mountainous range of for fear, But he has a wide set vagina and a heavy flow. <laughs> How's all that on your character sheet? Expanded character sheet. Thank you,
2: Pathfinder. Um, <laughs> but so it's one of those things that you've definitely got to know what to do. And there's even a way to play the edgiest character or the the worst character tropes in just a combat game and background is one of those things background is one of
0: those things especially and take what i'm I'm getting to here with my my uh, i'm spinning the bicycle around so Mm -hmm. speaker of the house here going a full circle if it is on your character sheet and it's part of your background that you feel it's important or you know your gm is going to feel it's important write that shit down Write down your hair length. If there's a slot on the character sheet that says, you know, what's your hair type? Is it curly or straight? Do you rock a fro? You know, write that shit down. Uh, Is your hair color sandy blonde or strawberry blonde? Write it down. If there's somewhere... uh, Because a lot of people, they don't write this stuff down on their character sheet And
1: And then get bewildered when they forget it.
0: They'll get bewildered when they forget it,
2: so, like... Or it changes to whatever the latest episode of fucking Boy Meets World does.
0: Or it changes... Or things will... Another thing that happens, too, is it makes room for cheating in a a very low-par sort of way, because this isn't Oh, well, I'm
2: totally from a village near here,
0: so I I would know the language. Oh, yeah, yeah, my... Well, I didn't write my eye color on my character sheet. You know, my character's eyes are, you know, really green... And it's like, dude, when we first had a game session three months ago, your eyes were blue. And now the guards are looking for a blue-eyed guy, and your eyes are suddenly green. Mm. You know, write this shit down. Um, it's not just for the GM, you know, to make sure you know everything's on point. It's for you to make sure everything's on point. This is your character. These are little things that you need to remember about your character. Write it down. If there's room on the character sheet, write these down as notes. Because uh, if you don't write down your description or personality traits on the character sheet... Uh, and you have a great idea for a character, and, and one that you want to play from beginning to end through the campaign, you know, and that stay as core to the original concept of your character as possible. If you don't write this down, you're you're not taking notes. Yep. And even if you have a
2: dedicated documenter, you still should have your own notes, which is why I moved on to making my own character folios. You go buy one of those thirty-nine cent um, uh, paper folders. You yep. put like. 10 sheets of line paper, college rule. You put a little bit of graph paper, so in case they want to draw a map or something. Or doodle. You throw, like, a six-page character sheet in there, you know, for whatever system you're in. Or even just the two-pager. And you've given them enough stuff. They can put their name on the front. They have pockets for all their little note cards. They've got scratch paper to fucking doodle dicks on, for all I care. Um... But they, I've given them all the resources necessary to document anything, and I have two players who actually sit down and, oh, well I met these guys who, uh, who were really nice to us and they said to, to hit them up and they're the, the Thumb Goulds, uh, they're an Orc Clan and they'll totally be our buddies if we need some stuff. Cool. These people actually utilize it. That's the number one thing is you need to utilize this for your background, you need to write down your notes. For any of the stuff that develops during the game, you need to write down these notes. Because you, as a player, it's your character. At the end of the day, the GM doesn't care. Because he can always say, up, cows fall, everyone dies, new characters. And you need to try and keep your back. Well, the GM
0: doesn't care because he's got enough shit on his menu. Oh, yeah. The whole world besides. The GM is not God. He just tells God what to do. And in the case of role-playing, the GM has the NPCs to handle, the... Na- nation's laws to handle which guards are on patrol when, the weather system conditions, tectonic conditions, what time school gets out, are the Currency can- changes. Currency changes. Everything possible behind the curtains.
1: What color is that damn tree?
0: Yeah, what color is that damn tree? Even the little shit like that. The GM has to have his fingers on all those strings at one time, and he's playing that giant fucking piano. If you wanted to remember all this shit about your character, you're just... You, no. It's you're digging like, a grave. You're, you're digging a grave for that character because the GM doesn't have time for it. You just have one character to worry about worry about that one. And I I can your background because uh, I've had players do this. They're like, well, you forgot about this. My character, you know, because uh, I was doing one vampire game and the character uh, was born during the Bolshevik Revolution and I did not include that in the game. The character was also uh, spicy fucking gorgeous. Again, I didn't Remember that or bring it in the game. And one of the other players was like, You know, my wife is pretty disappointed, you know, that you didn't, you know, mention, you know, like how guys are going to be fawning all over us and she's so super hot and everything. I'm like, That's a Did thing. you, well, number one, did you remind me? Because, yes, you mentioned this during the character introduction stuff. I have a lot of things on my menu. Did you remind me? And number two, uh, the Bolshevik Revolution is a critical moment for that player character's history. Not current events that are currently taking place within the storyline. It's up to that. It's up to your wife to figure out how she wants to play her life experiences when she was still alive before becoming a vampire and bring that into the modern setting. It's not my deal to roll out a red carpet and tell her how she feels.
2: I think I know what my next
0: vampire, the masquerade yeah. character, is going to be. <laughs> the commie hunting vampire. Well, I'm just saying, you know, when it comes to doing your background, anything that's on your character sheet is your responsibility especially with background because you're making shit up with your character this is your character this is your creation this is the stuff that you're doing it's
1: your story
0: the other players you know unless you come on you be the friendly guy who you know everybody likes nobody's going to care about your tragic backstory unless you're like well you know my twin sister was killed but you know what you guys are pretty cool i think you can help me on my quest Open the door to let them in. Mm-hmm. Give hint, them a hint. reason to be interested in, in your tragic backstory instead of just, it's really dark. I don't know if you can handle it. Well, that's kind of off putting, but it's like, hey, I think you guys can help me out here. You seem trustworthy. So far. I'm going to hold my hand out and and for the first time and offer my trust to you because I haven't done that in a while and I need to take steps. Uh, you know, Open the door. It's up to you to know these things. And for the other players, they're too busy with their characters because those are their creations, their paintings. That's what they're worried about. So as a player mistake, the number one player mistake is thinking other people will grab the reins of your creation and ride with it.
1: (laughs) It's called player agency, and most people try to stay out of each other's. Or if they don't, they're kind of assholes. Don't or make you have that
2: couple in the corner where one of them doesn't know how to play and the other one basically plays both characters all the time.
1: Yep.
0: Yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that quite a bit. It's like, oh, my wife wants to play D&D and then she doesn't say a thing. Well, oh yes, the lump. The, the lump. lump. I- I've seen the lump many times in a D&D game where you know, they show up and they're like, oh, they want to play and they just sit there and
2: stare. Or, you know, they don't know how their character works so their significant other has to run their character for them. Right. They, they don't sit down and read it, even though they have all the time in the world. I, I
0: think another player mistake... This is more of a newbie mistake, but I have seen it done with advanced players, and it's somewhat background-related, but more R-O-L-L-related, mm-hmm. is not learning where shit is located on your character sheet after oh, multiple gosh. times. Like, after your third or fourth uh, combat encounter, I become a lot less forgiving when I go, all right, what's your AC? Uh, if I'm asking asking somebody where their armor class is listed on their character sheet and they can't find it after like the fourth combat scenario I get kind of a little irate and put out that they're not putting in the effort to actually figure out that it's on the left hand side a little higher than the middle right there next to the saving throws especially when we
2: all have the same character sheet and we all agreed we'd use this one yeah
0: and the same thing goes with you know background and personality too it's like hey you know what's your character you said your character's length is how long and they're like uh shoulder length and it's like well you told me when you wrote down on your character sheet or you know you know that's why you have the character sheet is to take these notes to, to learn these things uh and it's a big mistake not to learn your damn sheet and know where things at because if something comes up uh like uh, some games have it where you know you have like disposition as part of your personality traits or your background. Your overall disposition, you may be cheerful yet reserved. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of forget that or don't write it on your character sheet and you forget about it. And then you just start playing your character completely differently and it's like, why are you playing your character differently? This is not the character you described.
2: Yeah, and I really, it really annoys me when like, someone creates a character and they're really excited to play it. And then, you play a few sessions, and then the latest episode of Game of Thrones comes out, and now they're playing it completely differently because they're influenced by this one certain show.
0: I I give a lot of leeway to newbies on this one, like um, and you. Know, I think we can use his real name because he's vanished off the face of the earth. Uh, we all know him as Arnold. Mm. Awesome guy. Uh yeah, he does have his own issues, but you know, he's still an awesome dude all around. Uh I won't go too more in the details in that, other than I kinda wish he was still building magic decks for me. Uh but Arnold, his first character he made was basically a Drizz ripoff.
1: Mm-hmm. Number one, this
0: is his first character, so I'm not going to shit on him for that. Yeah. yeah. If it's a second me, okay, gloves are coming off. Well if it's a forty first, that's when it's a real If it's your forty first character, you know what, I'm not gonna No.
1: No, uh, no, no. His first no character was
0: a Drist ripoff, um, and he didn't understand like the rules and the systems and stuff uh, as fluently as the rest of us. And I gave him a lot of leeway on that because there is a steep learning curve. Yeah, and absolutely. When somebody else said something, and I was, and he knew that I don't like Drist clones. He knew, he knew it. And when I started to figure it out, he's like, "Yeah, I'm sorry. I know you don't like my character." And I'm like, "Look, dude, it's fine." your first character this is what you have is influence mm-hmm. uh, but it's a background mistake I mean the first time it's great you know you, you start you have to start somewhere and if your influence is fucking NASCAR racing and you make a race chariot driver fuck yeah dude roll with it that's your influence that's your starting point that's your springboard uh, but if it's something that's a continual deal, to, as far as backgrounds go, where somebody is influenced by a TV show, whether it's the boys, and they keep changing Game of Thrones, every, or heroes, every time the character does in the yeah, show, every time the character changes oh. or something,
2: they do too, it's like Okay, I don't know, have you guys experienced this yet? Sorry to barge in. No, no, go ahead. But it, it's a real big problem of people out there in the gaming world, of people just watching Critical Role. And just basically trying to play those same characters.
0: Oh, I guess the Matt Alopea's Mercer games. effect.
2: Yeah, the Matt Mercer effect. It is so bullshit and annoying. It's,
1: the Matt Mercer effect is double-edged, is the thing. It's like, well, are you going to be a great D- GM like Matt Mercer? I'm going to be a GM like me. Are you right. going to be a player like like you would see on Matt Mercer?
2: Yeah, see, that that's the thing, is the player side. Because as a GM, cool, you want to do voices, you want to put effort into it. All for that. Well, so my it. problem is the player side because exactly. when these people literally try to copy paste, or God forbid, they're trying to play their character like it's the fucking Jersey Housewives, you the, know. The Matt
0: Mercer effect is a double-edged sword for sure. The one of the big problems too is people forget, especially with role-playing games. Is number one there's what five iterations of D and D available right now, plus multiple uncountable spin-offs. We have western games, we have post-apocalyptic games, we have undersea games, we got space games, we got undersea, space, cowboy games.
1: And everything in between. There's
0: literally a setting for everything at this point. Literally. Multiple versions. Multiple versions. And with each of these multiple versions, you have individuals who wear the name tag Game Master... And these individuals have been influenced by a plethora of countless games from different genres over the years or decades, however long they've been doing it. So each game they're running is different. To expect every D&D game to be run by one TV show is foolishness at its worst. Especially when you take uh, role-playing games and compare them to movies. If... Take... Uh, fucking Rosebud. Oh yeah, right. We we think Rosebud, one of the greatest fucking movies ever made. Um, what was that? Um, not Wuthering Heights. Fuck, black and white. Oh goddamn it! All I remember is Rosebud because you know that, that's a defining moment of that movie. But uh, fuck, fuck it. Gone with the wind. We'll just pull that one out of my ass instead. Um, <laughs> Gone with the wind is also a genre defining uh, movie, despite what people say about it nowadays. It was and still is, a classic. Now imagine if every movie since Gone with the Wind that was released was very fucking similar. It was like vanilla to vanilla. Or
2: superhero movies. We're living in that day and age right now. Remember before it was like the high fantasy stuff and swords and sorcery. That was a great time. Now we're in the superhero era getting to the end of it because Jenner, uh... Phase Bore is kicking in.
0: Well not just that, but every superhero movie has become woefully inadequately the same. Yes. So the Matt Mercer they're effect. All bland. Yeah, so the Matt Mercer effect, when every player expects a GM to run a game just like Matt Mercer, they're asking for another bowl of vanilla. Mm-hmm. They're asking for another superhero movie. They're asking for a remake of a movie that's already been done. Yeah,
2: it's one of those things. We're going to end up where your game goes from. Instead of being like Ghostbusters the original, it's Ghostbusters 2016.
0: If anything, one of the biggest things about your uh, background for your character, expect something different. As a player and a character, try to embrace something different. You want to go on an adventure. You want to see far offshores nobody else has seen before. You want to plunder ships on the high seas no one else has ever plundered. You want to sail through the stars and find planets no uh, hose-head creature ever gone before. You don't want another Matt Mercer.
2: Yep. There's already one and let him be awesome, but you know what? Be you. And I think that's my final thought really, because we're coming up on time. Oh, well, we are. Is, um... Sure just when it comes to gaming be you but write it down document everything and be consistent i don't want to see you over there with the eraser
0: and interrupt kazer as often as you can just (laughs) like i did today (laughs) even when he's laughing (laughs)
1: uh all right guys fair enough
0: all right well then i'll get to my final thoughts and i'll make them snappy because i do see the time is up my final thoughts on this is our opinions are not a hundred percent invalid or valid they are just opinions Uh, my opinions are formed after a quarter century of gaming and running games and there are plenty of other uh really good guys out there like how to be a great gm on youtube or seth skorkowski who also have their opinions I would say as far as creating your character and getting a good background that will include not just the GM but the other players, one you will enjoy for the entirety of your campaign. Seek out as many opinions as you can find of your own. Make an educated uh, summarization as to what you want to do and how you want to play your character and just learn and grow. Uh, That's pretty much it. If that made sense, Game Goblin going back to my crypt.
1: I would say... Think about the reason behind any given aspect of your character, document it, and stay true to it. That's what will make your characters interesting, that's what will make your world interesting, and it's what will make it come alive. Give it the depth of feeling that you're after. So keep that in mind, and don't be afraid to experiment. And with that, Kazakhan back to the skies. Darth, oh,
0: blasphemous, signing off. Peace, love, dope. Now get the hell out of here.